Welcome back to another episode of the nerdiest podcast in the Midwest. One where your friendly neighborhood podcasters talking about Spider-Man. We are the Midwestern Nerds Podcast. I am your host this week, Brian Stoffel, joined as always, almost every week, almost consistently. My cohort, my partner in crime. Almost KO Kyle Olson. <laughs> almost. We are the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Midwestern Nerds. We are the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. You can listen to and stream our podcast wherever you stream and listen to podcasts. A little movie had a pretty fun re-release this past week a little film that we spent quite a few episodes talking about we're gonna spend one more episode talking about we might retread some old ground that we covered before but i doubt our six faithful listeners will mind we are talking spider-man no way home the more fun cut re-released in theaters this past weekend almost took the number one spot at the box office Got taken down by Top Gun Maverick. Ah, back at the number one spot, 15 weeks into its runtime. It's the number five highest grossing domestic film of all time. It, it lost to a pretty good film, but nonetheless, it was a win for all of us here. Before we jump into No Way Home, let's do a little bit of Spider-Man talk first, because Spider-Man is celebrating a little bit of an anniversary this year, a little bit of a birthday. Back in 1962, August of 1962, the Amazing Fantasy 15 came out. First appearance of our friendly neighborhood, Amazing Spider-Man. He's celebrating his 60th anniversary this year. Absolutely insane. Absolutely crazy. I think we covered this before, but Kyle, refresh me and refresh our faithful six. Tell us about your introduction to Spider-Man when you started to love the character and your journey with this character to 2022 through the more fun cut of no way home <laughs> my <laughs> my introduction to spider-man um was my introduction to not only marvel but superheroes as well this is the first superhero movie that i remember watching at least there might have been so I don't know if some people count Power Rangers or something, you know, along those lines, maybe. But this was like the first Marvel superhero. Oh, my God. This is really cool uh, moment in my life. In 2002, um, in the VHS release of Spider-Man, uh, it was given to me for my birthday in 2002. So I would have been turning six years old. <laughs> um which was it was a big deal for me at the time too because i believe it was a rated pg-13 movie as well and it was. My, parents, my parents were not happy about it but i watched it over and over again yes just immediately falling in love with toby Maguire and 
all the kids like Sp- spider-man green goblin uh willem dafoe man i'm forgetting names now uh why can i not think of harry osborne james franco james franco thank you <laughs> wanted to let you sit in that a little bit ah, it's been a long day um yeah no i i mean those just those three actors specifically and uh kirsten dunce as mary jane watson too like just like i th- iconic characters to me like and and those four actors specifically too um and you could even count aunt may in that too i can't remember her the actress's name for that but um just just that cast in and you going into uh, uh, movie two with alfred molina as doc ock like i it's just those will always be some of my favorite movies for the nostalgia of it i don't care how many good spider-man movies come out afterwards those will always be some of my favorites just because it was my introduction into Spider-Man, into superheroes, into Marvel, into everything. And like I said, I, it was PG-13 when I was six years old. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. My history with Spider-Man, it's kind of scatterbrained for a lot of my childhood until late middle school, early high school. I was mostly introduced to Spider-Man through the animated series that was the uh, Saturday Morning Fox Kids cartoon, a classic. Currently, the whole series is up on Disney Plus right now. It's still a lot of fun to go back and watch that series, revisit that series, see how they took things from the comic books and did their own like creative spin on it, but still like felt pretty faithful to those comics at the same time it's a classic cartoon that was the majority of it i had two spider-man comics like two issues back in my early childhood so early that both of them were missing the the covers very quickly one of them featured dr strange uh and i remember on the cover it had like two it was like astral plane chinese dragon werewolf like crossbreed things that spider-man was like riding on on the cover and like dr strange is flying in the background and like that was one of them and the other one had electro or not electro it had shocker the trapster i think (laughs) He shot like this weird like super glue thing from his fingers and like trapped Spider-Man like <laughs> a couple times in that issue. And then one of the like the super glue blobs like ended up getting attached to Spider-Man's arm and attaching him to Gwen Stacy's brother. The only time I've ever heard Gwen Stacy even having a brother and being referenced in the comic. And I remember yeah. like I remember he was pissed at Spider-Man because Spider-Man let Gwen die. And then you had the inner turmoil of Spider-Man being like, yeah, well, that was my girlfriend too, but I can't tell you that because you don't know that uh, that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Those were like my earliest Spider-Man comics, but I really didn't get like super into Spider-Man until, like I said, that late middle school, early high school. And that was right around the time when civil war was starting and the thing that got me very interested in spider-man back in the day was there was an introduction of a brand new costume in the comics the iron spider costume which 
Marvel Legends just recently released a figure of that I'm holding up for Kyle to see on the screen. This, to me, looked more like Iron Man creating the suit because it is a red and gold suit, very much the Iron Man colors. It had He had, like, rocket boots. He's got the spider arms, but in the comics he only had three for some reason, not four like he does in the movies. Don't ask me why they went with that creative choice. <laughs> he... He had like the the web netting under his arms that he could use to glide farther. And with the rocket boots, like he really didn't need to web around a whole lot. He still did because, you know, Spider-Man. But it, if he was like, I need to get across town real quick, I'll just like rocket boost my way across town. And the weird thing was this was the first time that he had like police scanner like technology in his mask. And he had like like the iron man stuff like in his eye pieces you know where you could like look at something and identify somebody or like be tapped into like the main iron iron man like avengers hub group because spider-man was very newly into the avengers at the time too and civil war in the comics is what made me very apprehensive to iron man when he was first like when iron man one was coming out because Iron Man in Civil War in the comics is a straight-up douchebag. He is a <laughs> dick. He, I don't want to give away too much, but let I'll just say that Tony and Peter are very close, like, before Civil War and as Civil War is starting. And halfway through, there's a turning point where Tony Stark kind of shows his true colors. And it was, it's 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 my favorite run of Spider-Man because of this. And it was definitely towards the end of the run. It was J. Michael Straczynski's run on Spider-Man. Civil War and then Back in Black, which takes place immediately after uh, Civil War, were like the two big storylines where I was like, holy crap. Like, never knew that you could tell like Spider-Man stories like this that were so engaging, so captivating. Straczynski perfectly captured like the inner turmoil of Peter Parker, like that internal dialogue that you'd get in like the thought boxes that we see in the comics now. It used to be thought bubbles, but now they're just modern day. They're like little blocks of dialogue that you can basically come to terms that, oh, that's that's his inner thoughts that we're reading here. Um, he perfectly captures Peter Parker's voice. And then there was a little storyline that ended that run that was called One More Day. That was like the most controversial Spider-Man story ever. Um, I got to meet Straczynski at a Comic-Con. And I got to like, because I was pissed at this ending. And like the direction that they took Spider-Man. And like, I went in kind of guns a-blazing when I met him. And I was like, hey, I got to know. That story that you left on, was that you? Like, was that your idea? Was that how you really wanted to end your run? And he was like, no. Like, that is why I left. Marvel was like, this is the direction we want to take the character in. If you don't want to do it, you need to at least, like, do this storyline to bring us into this new era of Spider-Man. And then you can leave. And he was on the book for, like, almost 10 years. Like he was on that book for a long time. And That's so to, 
that was the run that initially like jump started my passion for Spider-Man. I I liked Spider-Man back in the day. Obviously, the Tobey Maguire movies I loved. I remember my dad taking me to Spider-Man One in the theater. That was a big movie for me because at that point my dad hadn't taken me to a whole lot of movies yet. So that was like one of the earliest ones that I remember going to with him. Obviously, Spider-Man Two. I remember the the midnight premiere of that just being absolutely epic and then spider-man 3 was a, a fun premiere night but not so fun of a movie i remember i had some pretty uh hot commentary that had the rose in front of us and the rose in back of us laughing because i was not quiet about how i was feeling about the movie and i was pretty zippy and witty with my with my <laughs> reactions to what i was seeing on screen yeah, that's that's a big chunk of Spider-Man for me going into this. Uh Spider-Man Spider-Man is my favorite comic book character. It's difficult because he's had a lot of current stuff that hasn't been my favorite. The Dan Slot run in the comics, which is another creator that was on the book for like 10 plus years. A lot of people really adore what he did. And I believe got a lot of credit in some of the more recent movies. Yes, he's basically the godfather of like the Spider-Verse. Um, he was the one who wrote Superior Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. um, for those who have heard of that, there's big twists building that story up that I don't want to give away. That makes it more fun to just go into it. Just know that it's it's Peter Parker, but not Peter Parker. And a, kind of a darker and different take on spider-man i actually enjoyed that section of his run but the majority of the stuff that he did i was like eh. and so for quite a bit of time i was like spider-man's not my favorite because of like that stuff but it's a character i always go back to uh the classics are classics for a reason that run that i just talked about by straczynski i've definitely revisited time and time again the movies are fantastic as everybody knows He's just the most relatable character, uh, one of the most relatable superheroes, because he's not. That's one of the reasons why I don't like Superman, the fact that like he is like all powerful and like everything seems to go like right in his way, unless you throw a little pebble of green kryptonite at him and then he kind of like curls up like a little baby. <laughs> um, Spider-Man has real problems all the time. He's definitely, I, especially the older I get, the more I relate to him, him being like, the world is always against me. I'm broke and I just can't seem to catch a freaking break ever. And oh yeah, by the way, I have to like, uh, fight off all these, these, uh, weird animal themed, uh, villains to help save people and try to make a difference and questions quite frequently, whether or not he actually is making a difference. And so that inner turmoil and the struggles and like the real relatability of the character is definitely what makes me come back to him time and time again to uh, sit in that number one spot for me. I think, I think that's what does it for everyone in this genre. Like, especially back when, back when Spider-Man, you know, back in 2002, when, when the, when it was really hitting the big screen too, there was still a stigma around comic books and Marvel and and the superhero stuff about these people being nerds. And Spider-Man was a nerd, a science nerd 
who was always broke, living in a shitty apartment, living with his aunt and uncle, but happened to get bitten by a radioactive spider and has superpowers now. So, like, he gets to be awesome and cool with the mask, but then he also comes home and he has to deal with social anxiety and he has to deal with this over overthinking of everything i am i actually doing something good like there was there was some real re- relatability with spider-man that i think hit home for a lot of people and that's probably why you know people like me and you are so attached to him at this point in our lives too in all age groups like when spider-man started off a lot of people forget that like he was a kid in high school yeah. he was like a 16 year old kid in high school that's why i love the tom holland run right now and those early issues with by stan lee and steve dicko like it's so fun because it you do follow peter like throughout those two years of high school and into college like you grow up with the character as you're reading it It, i mean you did back in the day if you were reading it if you're lucky enough to pick it up at that age you could do the same thing but he starts off as a kid a lot of the stuff written now is more like adult Peter, but there's still like all ages Spider-Man. And especially if you throw in, and we're talking specifically Peter Parker, Spider-Man right now, but if you threw in Miles Morales too, mm-hmm. that's bringing in a whole nother demographic and a whole other spectrum of relatability with that side character, not side character. He is he, uh, off shoot, but still, yeah, I don't know. You 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 get what I'm saying. Like Miles Morales, he stands on his own as his own Spider-Man, but not the original Spider-Man. I don't know, but he's yeah. still like, he's still that important though. Like the, the symbol. Like mm-hmm. throwing in a little bit of DC Batman talk here, but a big thing about those movies is always about like the symbol. Like I want to <laughs> be a symbol, like yep. to inspire people. And that's kind of like what Miles Morales represents for like the Spider-Man lore. If you think about it, like he was inspired by Peter Parker to take on that mantle and be his own Spider-Man, but still going through similar relatable situations in a different background. That's why I can't wait for them to do Miles Morales in the MCU. Eventually. I'm sure I I know they're going to do it. They've run, they've referenced him before too. Um, along with his uncle i'm yeah. so excited for across the spider-verse to finally hit whenever yeah. they get that movie done too that was supposed to happen this year and then got delayed to next year i'm hoping that it doesn't get delayed too much more i'm hoping it's not like a warner brothers dc where we're just going to keep pushing our movies six months at a time yeah. and make everybody question whether or not it's an actual movie that's coming out but <laughs> with, with the animation style of that movie of the you know of the first movie and what i'm assuming they're going to stick with for this movie i mean i can't i can't imagine how much work goes into that and making sure it's like it, it the first one won multiple awards for not only the animation but everything else that goes into it so like there is a lot of pressure going into this one i i don't blame them for necessarily making sure that this is perfect to what they want it to be well, not only that, but I'm pretty sure that they're doing both um, across the Spider-Verse and beyond the Spider-Verse, like, at the same time. Because oh, once, because I thought, I thought the initial plan was to have across the Spider-Verse come out one year, and then the next year have the next one come out, like, wow. almost back-to-back. Because I thought the talk was that the next one is supposed to have kind of like a cliffhanger ending. 
and you need to then <laughs> release the third one in a relatively quick amount of time to keep that that conversation going yeah um, if you're gonna do if you're gonna do like a cliffhanger ending we, we've tiptoed around it enough let's jump into the main thing that we came here to talk about that would be the more fun cut of no way home Kyle, you went on Saturday. I went on Saturday. We both definitely took advantage of that $3 movie. Tell me your general thoughts on the more fun cut. Was was it worth them re-releasing it? Was it worth them adding the content that they did? Did all of it hit with you? Did some of it not? Spill the tea, my friend. It was worth it for me personally i i don't think it would be for everyone and maybe it was worth it maybe it helped that we went on three dollar day as well i don't know i don't think it really i think the post credit scene the the after credit scene is the biggest chunk of this and we'll get into that eventually i think that is the best bit that they added in i'm glad i i really wish they would have put this in the theatrical release instead of i get putting in the trailer but they released the trailer like what a week or two later online so like i don't think that was necessary i don't think they should do that again i think they should stick to whatever end credit scenes they have planned or whatever as far as everything else inside the movie there were fun scenes with to- more more toby and andrew which was great more matt murdoch which was great but we still could have used more um <laughs> yeah there uh, there there were some chunks that were like okay, I see why you cut that out of the theatrical release. <laughs> I can see why you cut that out of the original. It very kind of broke it up. But at the same time, I like the scene. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like there was nothing I watched and I was like, yeah, that was terrible. I'm glad you cut that out of the original. Like everything that they put back in, I I actually enjoyed. And I thought it added to the overall story. But there were some, like the way that it was, set up the way that it was framed these the sequential way that it was in the movie it very much broke up the what's the word i'm looking for here it broke it broke up the rhythm of the movie sometimes like there's that there's the montage of him at school basically right after everything's announced right when he goes back to school and it's like the, that whole scene with him climbing the wall it's just it it's it's very jarring and it and it breaks it up very much and then there's that long i was gonna interview. say I'm, I'm gonna interrupt you for two seconds just to That's say fine. in midwesterners fashion uh spoilers we, <laughs> there's a there's a reason we're talking about this in this episode today if you haven't seen it yet and you don't want to get spoiled kyle ruined one scene for you so uh and it's not that big of a scene i will say it, i i had every single scene spoiled for me before i went to the theater and it changed nothing. It's still cool to actually see the scenes. If you haven't seen it yet and you want to, like, turn this off, go see it, and then come back and listen to it. We want to talk spoilers when we talk on the show. <laughs> I mean, it's like the main reason that we that we do it. So, yeah, we, we saw the movie. We want to talk about it. So, it's spoilers. So, yes. just don't. You, you've been kind of tiptoeing around some things. Just don't hold back. Like, All right. Our, our, our faithful six, as I keep <laughs> Yeah, deeming them. They're they're not gonna mind. They're yeah. not gonna mind. And then there was the uh the Betty Brandt interview part within the movie again in that same sequence. It was very long and it very much broke up the rhythm of the movie. 
but I think it added a lot. I think it added a lot of comedy. Uh, the three teachers that they have in this universe for Peter, uh, with JB Smoove, uh, Hannibal Burris, and I can't remember uh, the other guy's name. What's his? Oh, what's the teacher's name now? You're doing a lot better than I am. I I know JB Smoove, and that's about it. <laughs> I know JB Smoove, and I know Hannibal because Hannibal's awesome. Um, I can't think of Mr. Uh, Hen. No, shoot, I can't think of the other teacher's name now. That's gonna make me upset. I'm gonna find um, it. I'll I'll agree with you. Harrington, that... Martin Starr, Mr. Harrington. Those those three. I'll I'll finish my thought quick. Those yep. three are phenomenal comedians. Just that one scene in the original cut where it's just them standing in a row uh, when Peter first walks into the school. Just amazing. I absolutely love that scene. And it's one of my, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because they're just so funny. But then we get extended, like Mr. Harrington calling Peter, like he thinks Peter is one of his sons. Like, And uh, J.B. Smoove going into like, man, if that spider would have bit me, there'd be some different stuff going on. Like, it's just, and then, uh, of course, J- uh, what's that? Uh, Hannibal Burris's, I can't remember, hit Coach whatever he's the gym teacher he he's still conspiracy theory like mysterio's right he's like i i once read a conspiracy theory about justin timberlake being an in sync so there's that for you it's, it's, it's just hilarious stuff and then there's betty brant asking ned about like oh when when is it appropriate for a ex to text someone in the middle of the night and it's just a dead silence answer it's like Oh, you're looking okay today. Oh, you're looking beautiful as ever. Like it's just so awkward high school stuff, and it's just it's phenomenally put together. I again, it definitely breaks up the flow of the movie, and I and I can understand why they took it out, but I'm so glad that they put it out in this release, and it was just awesome. That was like the one part of the movie where, like you said, I I did notice a break in the flow of it. I think that that all of the scenes that they added and it it's not a lot of like scene scenes like the majority of the stuff that they added were like extensions of scenes or like quick little at the most like two minutes like here and there like it didn't it wasn't a lot of big chunks like when you go in and you think of like an extended cut or a director's cut of a movie like there's oftentimes like really big sequences or segments or scenes that are added into the movie that weren't in the theatrical cut that it's like wow there's a lot here that this added this movie does more sprinkling than having big chunks in the movie to add to it all of the scenes worked for me like to make a long story short i asked you like right off the bat like if it worked for you and, yeah. and you said yes this this cut definitely worked for me too the betty brant interview sequence in the beginning was the only new stuff that was added where i was like we could have shaved this down a little bit like right i i liked i liked the the addition of it i liked the additional information that we got from it it just it went slightly too long like i i feel like if they could have like shaved off like a joke or two from like especially the three teachers like that's when it really started to to kind of go off the rails where as funny as some of the stuff was like some of it was like cut that out and you you could keep the flow of this movie and still be adding to the scene 
that was the only time where I really felt like that, where I was like, uh, I'm ready to move on. But like, they added a lot of stuff to the interrogation of the DOD with, yes. with Peter and his friends and his Aunt May, which I liked all that stuff too. Matt Murdock gets an additional scene uh, with Happy Hogan. He's Happy's lawyer now. Um, it actually answers a question that I had after the movie. So I was happy with that scene too. Y- yes, uh, I, I liked that. As much as I would not oppose another Matt Murdock or Daredevil scene, I'm glad with the two that we got. Yeah. There's some big stuff that happens with with Andrew and Toby. Like, their added stuff. There was something that stood out to me that I was like, how interesting that they cut this yeah. and then put it back in. Because I don't know about you, but there was something in particular that really stood out to me that I was like, huh, it was hinted, and I mean hinted, Mm -hmm. in the regular theatrical cut that they could maybe come back. And there's an added bit of interaction, especially between Andrew and Toby, that I was like, this is more than just like like a... uh, a subtle like maybe like and the door might have been a sliver open but now it's like a crack open with a foot tapping in the like in the in the crack of that doorway being like hey i'm i'm ready andrew garfield's peter parker specifically says we should do this again let's let's swap numbers so we can meet up again later I, I would be very, very, very happy to see Toby and Andrew in Secret Wars, but no longer will I be surprised if we see them no. in Secret Wars. I, I, listen, this has been something that I've been thinking about for a while, that them in Secret Wars. Like, it, it's multiverse shit. We're probably going to see so many weird... We're probably going to see... This is, again, one of my things that I've been thinking about for a while. We're probably going to see Ryan Reynolds wade wilson from the x-men movie along with his actual deadpool i i think we're gonna see some very obscure characters returning in secret war even if it's just for a flash but i think toby and andrew are perfect candidates to come back and hell it's gonna be a multiversal war multiversal war we're gonna have we're probably gonna have four different reed richards we're probably gonna have it's it's gonna be awesome and like yes toby and andrew i think they intentionally maybe cut that out to temper expectations and then i think they now intentionally put that back in in this cut so i was also just extremely excited to hear that yeah that extended scene uh it's like i said when we talked about it when the movie first came out when we did our spoiler talk where i could have watched like 40 minutes of mm-hmm. them just chilling up on the Statue of Liberty, waiting for the villains to come and just like bonding and talking. I could have had 40 minutes of that. They they definitely added to that. Yep. And I loved every second of it. And I still wanted a little bit more. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if they would do when when Taika did like the the Thor from work shorts between like <laughs> Civil War and Ragnarok, where he which was are, living with are- uh technically now canon by the way <laughs> yeah where, where he was like living with with daryl i think Darryl, yeah. if they did stuff like that where like 
they found a way to get them back together. Well, or if they just like, I don't care if they just like, if one was like, if let's say Tom Holland swinging through the city and all of a sudden like Toby and Andrew Spider-Man just like blipped like right next to him. And they were like, what the hell are you doing here? And then they just like had more conversations of like what's going on and like relating and shit like that. Give, Give me a couple shorts like that. It, <laughs> it probably took them what 30, 40 minutes to uh make all the cures in the in the lab, right? Give us that. Yeah. Just give us an extended version of that with more conversations. There's yes. plenty of avenues for it. But overall, if anything, I will say go out to see this movie just to re-see it in the theater oh it's such a good movie it's something that didn't occur to me until last week when we were talking about doing this episode when i was convincing you to go and see the <laughs> the more fun cut which by the uh, way you convinced me to go at a 10 30 <laughs> showing where i got yes. home at one o'clock in the morning so good job you're, you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> but it didn't occur to me until I was trying to convince you that I've only seen this movie in the theater. I bought the 4k. I haven't opened it yet. I watched it. I watched it twice when it came out and this is my third time watching it. And I kind of, I kind of liked that. Like, I'm kind of glad that I didn't bust open the 4k. Like I wanted to a couple times because the, the amount of time in between viewings seeing this new cut this this more fun cut it wasn't my first time seeing this movie but at the same time i was like enough time had passed and i haven't seen it the amount of times where i could like pinpoint like oh this was the added stuff oh that's the new <laughs> stuff like like granted yes there was some obvious stuff that i was like oh i'm pretty sure that like that's definitely new but there was some stuff like especially like we were just talking about like the the three of them talking up on the statue of liberty there were some of that where i was like have i seen this before it's all, it's all extremely it's all extremely well edited obviously like it's a marvel yes. movie and it's it's put together as it's a final cut of the movie but like it's all as someone who's seen it five or six times before i saw this new version even like those scenes were very i was even i was the same way i was even watching like okay have I seen? Nope, I haven't seen this part yet. But it's like it's all very smooth. Even starting with like the first stuff that I that I noticed that was added was the extension of the DOD and interrogation scenes in the beginning. And even halfway through that, I was like, "Oh, wait a minute! I don't think I've seen <laughs> half of what's going on right now." Yep. So I I loved that I didn't jump in in between because that that amount of time was like. It was almost like seeing the movie again for like the second time. Because granted, first time you're going in, it we talked about how mind blowing it was. The second time it was all right. Is it going to live up to expectations? Mm -hmm. Like I'm excited to see this and this and that, but all of these little like seeds of dialogue mm -hmm. and plot that I like subplots that I don't quite remember. Like seeing those for the first like for the second time feels like the first time again. A lot of this new cut felt new and fresh. And I, if anything, like I said, go and see this movie just to see it again on the big screen because it's an experience. Like all of the heart tug and string moments like still got me, but I was conscious of the crowd and it's still getting to everybody too. 
like the big guy sitting next to me he's he's wiping his eyes and he's sniffling and i can hear sniffles like up in the corners and and behind me and and up in front of me too and it's it just adds to the ambiance of the movie it just adds to the experience I'm telling you, this is the sixth or seventh time that I've seen this movie, and I still fucking cried three times. <laughs> it's just such a good movie, man. Ah, it's amazing. Ah, didn't even, didn't even try to do that. Oh, we can't forget also the the message from Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and uh, oh yes, and uh, Tobey Maguire at the beginning of the movie where it starts out Toby, uh, uh, fuck, it starts off with Tom Holland just. Uh, thanking everyone for the success of the movie and it's all three of them just kind of giving us their own little message but then the best part of it was uh tom and toby finally saying like hey you know we've been wanting to say this for a while since we shot the scene but we finally wanted to say love you too and i genuinely like got choked up and because andrew was like i've been waiting a long time for that (laughs) Yeah, like, ah, that's so sweet. Oh my god, it was so cool. It was a great way to start the, the movie. Oh, yes, just the dynamic of the three of them like, you can tell that there was some bonding that was that was happening during the filming of this movie. And it it's encouraging to back up the the thought, the thoughts now of almost being assured that we will see Toby and Andrew again like back to if anything just to have the three of them back together again i i feel like they now that they've gone through no way home they're more they would be more accepting to be like yeah we'll 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 come in and we'll do our our five to ten minutes if that of the movie together you know before we wrap up our more fun cut talk i also feel like we need to talk about the new post credit scene we we hinted at it a little bit, but we haven't really oh, yes. uh, jumped in and talked about it. It was something that this was the one big thing in the movie that I was surprised that they took out. I was surprised that they cut this out of the movie. It it, it answers more questions and it, it baffles me that they that they did take it out. It was like why? Yes. Like it's not. It doesn't spoil anything. for future movies it doesn't it doesn't really spoil anything for like newcomers like if they were afraid of like spoilers coming out from a post-credit scene discussion i think they had to have seen the online discourse for the past nine ten months and being like and everyone trying to figure out how exactly the spell works and even so we'll get into the details obviously but like I, I think we have more answers to have the, how the spell works, but I still think that there's a lot of questions to be asked. Oh, yeah, for sure. So it's Betty back again doing an expose on the the final week of being like seniors. Like It's the senior send-off video and talking about moving on and cherishing the experiences together. And there's like clips and there's photos and there is an obvious omission to a lot of those or um a coincidence of a covering up of a certain someone and that certain someone being peter parker and kind of showing how this spell is working and how it's erasing him from like i wouldn't say memory but just like 
making him more obscure, you know? Like, obviously, the people that he's the closest to, like, like MJ and Ned, and then he have, like, his friends and Flash Thompson and, like, that. It, it kind of just takes him and pushes him into the background. Like, there's a gr- the one shot that I remember that sticks out vividly in my brain is the photo of them in Paris and it's a group photo and Peter Parker's right in the middle, but there's a pigeon that's flying by and it just flies right across his face and you can see everybody else perfect as day, but you can't see Peter Parker's face. You can see he's standing there, but you can't see who's standing there. And there's a, there's a picture of uh, him talking to Ned but he is facing the other way. You see the back of Peter's head, but you don't see Peter's face. It's like in things like that, there's a picture of Ned and MJ at the prom, you know, there's a, there's a, or a at homecoming. There's, there's pictures of the party. And it's a, it's again, it's a really cool way to show how the spell works. Either, you know, just these pictures are obscured and no one asks questions because that's just how it, the, their brain is kind of telling them to ignore it. But at the other on on the other end of this, it's because that's only really those two pictures. It's it's a sad realization of how much of Peter's high school experience that he missed because he's in because he's Spider-Man, because he's out doing all of these things. He missed his homecoming dance. He missed the party before the homecoming dance. He missed he he basically missed all of the Europe trip. He like there's so much of this stuff that he's not even a part of these pictures for him to be blurred out in. Like, it's such a good, I, I, I'm just shocked that they cut this again. We did not need to, it was really cool to see the Dr. Strange trailer. Cause I really didn't know much going into uh, about Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness going into any of this movie, but we really did not need to see that trailer at the, I was, I, at the end of the movie, I didn't care about Dr. Strange. I wanted to, I, I needed to know more about Spider-Man. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I need to focus on this trailer about a new movie now. Like the, the fact that the fact that we were able to get this scene, which answered and begged more questions, I thought it was really cool. <laughs> this is how much time's passed since the second and third viewing. I totally forgot that Multiverse of Madness trailer was the was the second scene and yep. <laughs> no way home. Which oh my gosh, just opens up the other question of like why they cut this because honestly and again hindsight 2020 i've seen multiverse of madness i have my thoughts and feelings on that movie but in this point in time i'm asking myself would i have rather had that post-credit scene that we just got in the more fun cut or would i have rather have had that trailer to multiverse of madness and the trailer was good but it the amount that it didn't show i almost wish that we would have gotten the scene before that trailer i i feel like i feel like if this scene would have been there and they wouldn't have given us the multiverse of madness trailer i wouldn't have felt like i missed something you know i wouldn't have no exactly i wouldn't have felt like i walked away being like oh well that was that was a why did i sit through all the credits just for that you know i that's a big one yeah and there were a couple photos where it looked like like Peter wasn't there at all, but it definitely looked like somebody could have been there. Like somebody was photoshopped out. 
I think the original pictures are framed like that, though. I like if you go back to other movies, like there that that picture of MJ and Ned is in other movies, and even I think in earlier um, scenes in No Way Home, and I think it's just slightly framed like that. Oh, okay. to, to make it seem, you know, like it, it but like, I, I don't think any of the pictures are actually physically altered. Okay. Cause they, I don't I know remember, what you mean. I, I thought there was one from the homecoming and maybe it's the, the same one that you're talking about. I thought there was one from the homecoming dance where it was Ned and MJ and there's a spot right next to Ned where it, it feels like there's a big space there that like, why didn't they center that photo better? Or was Peter supposed to have been standing there? But maybe, maybe that is how it was. I, I don't, I don't remember. But like seeing that post-credit scene, that's kind of how it looked to me. Where it was like, oh, this looked like he could have been here, but like he was erased from the photo. Like somebody was supposed to be here, but is clearly not here anymore. And it like it wasn't a whole lot. It was it was one maybe two photos where I felt like that. But otherwise, like like you said, there were there were quite a few of them where, like, it was either the back of his head or he's like way in the back and you can't see his face. Or like the again the one that stands out to me the most is that group shot in Europe where he's front and center and a pigeon's flying over his face. <laughs> that one that one's my favorite. It's so funny to think about. The, to think about the fact that Brady Bant, who Brady Brant, Betty Brant, jeez, who is say that three times fast for real, apparently, jeez, um, who's like, you know, obviously she's going into a career of journalism, right? And she's like trying to make this really professional end of the year senior video, and she picks a picture with the person in the middle of the picture has a pigeon in front of his face, but no one yeah. questions it because that I think that's how the spell works. Is it's like. You're not even questioning who this guy is. You're not questioning. I think that's why MJ MJ knows that she loves this necklace, right? She knows that she loves the the black dahlia, the broken dahlia necklace, but she doesn't know why. But like it's still in her head somewhere. When Peter leaves, she's like, "Man, I know." I like, but like her her brain's almost like forcing her not to think. Of, like I think that's the biggest part of this is now we slightly understand more of how the spell works, but. I will say, slight slight spoilers for episode three of She-Hulk. Does everyone not remember? Does uh, Wong specifically references the forgetting spell? Does he know that it happened? Does he know what it happened? I need answers, Wong. (laughs) Wong, (laughs) you can't just bring this up. This is a big question in the MCU. You can't just bring it up casually like that. And what a coincidence that it just happens to be the same week that the uh, (laughs) more fun cut comes out. I have, we'll get into it with our last little segment after our Spider-Man talk here, but I have something that goes along with that, actually. The last little thought that just occurred to me now that i just want to tag on the end of this yep i feel like when people start breaking through the spell and remembering peter i think one of the first people is gonna be ned and i think it's because of like his sorcery stuff that he realized that he has now from this movie because like that's so good. I, I, I don't know why it took me this long, but just talking about this this post-credit scene and, and mentioning Ned and all that, I was like, 
you were talking about MJ and the Black Dahlia. I was remembering that final scene, and I was like, oh, yeah. Ned straight up showed that he could be a sorcerer if he was trained. And I feel like... I feel gonna like be, all... He's going to be Hobgoblin at some point, right? Probably. He could. Even if he's a good guy, he doesn't have to be a bad guy. They have that line where he says, hey, I don't worry, I won't turn evil and try to kill you. <laughs> Which, he says that knowing that Peter Parker's his best friend. Now he doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... There's I, so much I, that's set up. Not just convenient for the movie that we... The No Way Home movie, but so much that you could build upon in Spider-Man 4. I like the idea of MJ figure or of Ned figuring it out. I almost like the idea of MJ and Ned figuring it out together because there's the whole, because Ned figured it out first, but then MJ figured it out on her own. And Ned almost didn't know that MJ figured all the, all the stuff with actually figuring out who Spider-Man is. I almost would like the fact we know that they're still friends, obviously, you know, fellow engineers going to MIT. It would be, I think it would be very cool if she, she just keeps going like, man, that weird guy at the coffee shop, I'm still wearing this necklace. And then he's like, why the fuck do I have these magic powers? And like, there could be like something where they figuring out and maybe at the same time, or, you know, they they figured it out together. I think that'd be pretty cool. Maybe that's, maybe that's what turns him on Peter and Spider-Man. What if, what if he remembers and life without Peter has been so shit that he's like, why didn't you come and find us and, and like try to get us to remember sooner. Like Maybe he remembers that Peter promised him that he would come find him and tell him the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. there's so I, much potential. There's so this movie is phenomenal. I just want to mention also before we sl- before we move on, there were other scenes. <laughs> there were actually other scenes um, that I wanted to mention. What was the one of them? The elevator scene uh, on the way to uh, to Happy's apartment. I'm so glad we got that in the movie. That was amazing. It, it, it was, was like, like three seconds, but I loved it. It, it was three <laughs> seconds. And I was like, I, I see why they cut this. But at the same time, I was like, this was such a short scene. Why did they cut Why this? did they put it in? It's amazing. And that's when we get to Happy, who is being defended by Matt Murdock against the DODC. And you get the video footage of them walking into his apartment. That's what Happy sees on his screen. So that makes more sense of how we saw it on uh, as an audience. We saw it through the security camera because yep. it was on Happy's phone. And then Happy starts sweating. And Matt goes, dude, you got to stop sweating. And he goes, how do you do that? <laughs> Just amazing scene. Um, the scene where he climbs the the, the the gym class pressures him to climb the wall, and then they're all silent when he's doing it. Like they're like that was so awkward. I didn't like that scene. It was so weird, especially because they were like, "Do it, do it, climb yeah. the wall, do it." And then he does, and then it was like, and maybe that was the intention of the scene, but it, it definitely took me out too where oh, it I was definitely like, was it was it was definitely trying to portray how awkward this is for peter but like i also loved mr wilson's line of that go, look at that sticky bastard go <laughs> yeah so good um what was the other one that i was gonna bring up shit oh all of a sudden there's a extended montage when they're in the undercroft of the sanctum centaurum and it's oh it's played with the fucking monster mash behind yes. it Yes. I, I was sitting there for the entire time going, was this, was the Monster Mash in the original cut? I do not remember this at all. I did the same thing. 
I did the same thing. And then my, my girlfriend, she she leans over to me and she's like, are they playing the Monster Mash? And I was like, and that's why I was like, oh, this wasn't in there originally. No. But that, that whole time I was like, I don't remember the Monster. Right? But but again, it's like you said earlier. It, it tells how well all of this bonus mm-hmm. content was edited into the movie and how seamlessly most of it flows because you are sitting there and you're like wait a minute was this have i like yep. and and you wouldn't be doing that if it was if it was bad like if it was like exactly. oh this is a brand new thing that i have not seen before <laughs> And then the so during that sequence, there's a miniature, almost like playset, uh, like dollhouse style Sanctum Sanctorum, and like almost like a New York City. Oh yes, yeah. And they're in the eye of the building. There's like a miniature Doctor Strange figure in like shadow inside the building, much like you see in Doctor Strange uh, in Multiverse of Madness. And he like is looking, and you can see him moving, like it's an actual thing. And then he walks away, like it's almost like. I, I, I heard someone, uh, I think it was someone on uh, on New Rockstars, but they, they interpreted it as Doctor Strange keeping an eye on Peter. Like, somehow he was able to cast a spell, and that was him down there, at least somehow keeping an eye on him down there or something like that. I thought that was super interesting. I don't know why. It was a very small part. Obviously, they cut it out of the original, but, like, I thought that was cool. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was very interesting. I've said fi- my last thing, like, five times already, but I do have one more thing. It bugs me every time I see this movie, but the scene where Aunt May calls Peter and they're like, "Hey, this this green guy is here. He mm-hmm. like he needs help. You need to get down to the fee center right away." And like the first time that Tom Holland Peter meets Norman Osborn, I don't know what it is, but like it's the one time in the entire movie where I don't feel like Willem Dafoe is doing a good job acting because the first two times I saw the movie, I was like, is this just the goblin persona? Like trying to pretend to be Norman to get to Peter. And then this time I'm watching it and I was like, no, this is just like, and I don't, I don't know if it's the way it was acted, the way it was written both, but like, Something about Norman in that scene is not convincing to me. Like, I'm like, that is not the Norman Osborn from the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. This is not the goblin persona pretending to be Norman. This is just weird. Like, the I don't know if it's just the way that he's talking, because he's talking like kind of like in a high tone kiddish voice, or just like the dialogue that's going along with it, but something about that scene doesn't work for me. Like every time I'm like, that's not, that's not Norman, but like, and I think it's because of that scene where like the first few times, like the first two times I saw the movie, I was like, I I, I was questioning on whether or not Norman was being true Norman, or if it was like the goblin trying to play a game. And it wasn't until like this time, for some reason, it finally clicked to me when got when Goblin finally takes back over after the sweet spider sense scene, oh. where where he's like, where he's like, you did you think I'd let you erase me forever? And I was like, oh no, this is like 
goblin showing up again for like the first time since the alleyway he he says in the movie i've been watching you from behind norman's subconsciousness yeah so he literally he he let he let norman take over and then chose his moment to take to take it back control but yeah there's something about that scene in the feast center where i'm like something's not working for me in this with with norman's character I stand by my theory from that scene that we are going to get a Harry Osborn and an Oscorp in that universe at some point because of something that he says, he says my son, and then he trails off and we're supposed to, oh, he doesn't exist. Why doesn't he just say that? Right. They left it open for a reason. It's interesting. I didn't notice this the first two times either. He said that Oscorp doesn't exist. Correct. He says he got he's I've gone to my to my home like there's there's somebody else there that I don't recognize. There's someone Oscorp. living in my home. Oscorp doesn't exist. My son trails off and then nothing. I'm just saying I think I think he found his son. I think I think there's an Osborne family. I think they're just what isn't an Oscorp, which side note begs the question, what spider bit him? I think it's a spark, a Stark spider, which I think we could dive dive into at some point, which would be super fucking cool. But I think they're setting up some sort of like where this Norman from Toby's universe like gave the tools to Harry for something. I don't know. There's probably there's going to be a setup at some point. I in my uh, imagination here, where he gives Harry osborne the tools to start oscorp and to you know start the green goblin project whatever he's going to do but like i think that's because we're going to get the baxter foundation i think we're going to get that with the fantastic four and i think oscorp is also going to insert itself if sony will ever just let us have our fun yeah it's interesting that there that there isn't an oscorp though like it, it's very interesting and it, it it's going to be interesting to see if they do introduce an oscorp now and if they do bring in harry and norman and like this our mcu universe version of these characters especially now that peter knows like who these people are like part of me almost wonders if like his arc with the green goblin may have been fulfilled in this movie with willem defoe's norman green goblin but it would be interesting to see a Peter like see these characters rising and knowing and seeing if he like if he tries to intervene and tries to stop and if that only makes things worse. I just had the greatest thought I've ever had. Okay, the next Spider-Man movie, the very first friend that Peter Park can Peter Parker can now make after this spell. No one knows who he is. The very first person that he's going to meet and befriend and become best friends with is Harry Osborn. <laughs> Especially if how wicked would it be if like it was Harry and for some reason like he and never he only... bothered to to learn his last name. That's what. It, yes, it's only Harry. Like, oh, hey, I'm Harry. Yeah, nice to meet you, Harry. And then like halfway through the movie, they're doing roll call in class. Harry Osborn, and there's just the same like moment. Like, oh, fu and then Peter's just paranoid for the rest of the movie. All right, or, or that's the last scene so then you can have oh! your your infamous like mcu version of what the f <laughs> <laughs> oh yes i'm all about it i i think do you have any other final thoughts uh, final thoughts of the, the 10 that we've already had <laughs> final 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 thoughts uh 
again, this movie isn't necessarily like this doesn't make the movie from a nine out of 10 to a 10 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10 to an 11. Like, it's not like this makes the movie significantly better. This, this extended cut is for us nerds who love this deep dive shit, who love to, who love the details of the MCU, who love the details that's related to the comics and that kind of stuff. It's perfect for us. It's not necessarily something that the general audience needs to go out and watch. If you've already seen the movie, then that's fine. You're probably going to consider it a waste considering it's only 11 hours or 11 minutes more. It's like, two hours 40 minutes with all the credits and everything uh like like i said it doesn't completely make the movie better personally i get to see more matt murdoch i get to see more toby and andrew i get to see more of the villains like it was it was a good experience for me someone who this is a this is a movie that's in my top five of all time i think so like it it very much was a good experience for me the question that I don't know why I didn't think of till now. If and when they release this digitally, physically after it's had its theatrical run, you're sitting down to watch No Way Home. Which version are you choosing to sit down and watch? Are you choosing the 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 more fun cut? Or are you going to choose the regular theatrical cut? I will choose the more fun cut. <laughs> I don't know about uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I personally absolutely will choose the more fun cut. It's more I, fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna agree. Um, which tells the success of this. I, yeah. Granted, there are some director's cuts that don't work. There are some extended cuts that it's like, eh, that that was nice to see, but I think I'm gonna stick with the regular. Yep. The amount that's added into this. As subtly as it is, too, for the most part, I, I think I'm going to go with this, especially because, <laughs> like I came to the realization here, this version I get to watch that more fulfilling post credit scene than just the Multiverse of Madness trailer. I also think it's very telling. Final, 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 final thought. I think it's very telling that they left the, uh, I mean, it's Sony, so they're going to continue to promote. I think it's very telling that they left Venom in there and they left that little Venom thing. They could have added something else as a mid credit scene, but they they very much left that in on purpose. So um, they're obviously going to push Venom in. I don't know if it's going to be in the next movie necessarily or continue to be set up in the next movie, but I'm extremely excited to see what they do with Venom in the 616. Same here. All right, that'll do it for our thoughts on the more fun cut, No Way Home. Before we can wrap the show up, as always, we need to jump and dive into one of our favorite segments here on the Midwestern Nerds podcast, the best stuff recommendations of the week. Kyle, what have you got for us this week for your best stuff? I was going to, up until our conversations here, I was going to best stuff, you know, wrestling, professional wrestling. Go watch WWE, go watch AEW. It's all really good stuff right now, actually. I can't, I can't even, like, if you've ever had any inkling of interest, go and watch it. I was going to go do that because there was just, like, three pay-per-views this weekend and both products are great. But I had a sudden realization during our other talk that there was another integral piece in my Spider-Man fandom that... I kind of forgot uh, until we we were talking about this and that's a 2007 game 
that was on PlayStation, Wii, I think it was on PC, I think it was on everything basically, but I played it I played it on the Wii personally. Spider-Man Friend or Foe, which was just a I want to go play, I want to go try to find a version of this for any I'm going to try to buy it on my PC. This was such a fun game where you got to you got to start off with just Spider-Man and a couple allies, but then every villain that you face obviously gets more difficult, more difficult. Obviously, it's a it's a video game, but every time you beat a villain, you get that villain in your party and you can choose to have them as an ally then. And you get upgrades for Spider-Man. You can play that. So then you get to, you get to play with Green Goblin. You get to play with Doc Ock. You get to play with Venom. You get to play with Mysterio. Like you get to like, there's so it, it was such, and it's, there's a good story. I think Iron Tail, uh, no. Yeah, no. Fuck. I can't remember. There's so many good characters in this game though. It was, I, I played this game probably five or six times through. It's just such a fun game. I have to, if, if anyone has a throwback console out there, PS2 or older, PC, Xbox, like anything like that. If you can get your hands on Spider-Man Friend or Foe on the Wii or anything like that, I strongly recommend playing it. It's actually such a fun game. I've never heard of this game, but that does sound like a lot of fun. It's great. And there's there... obviously upgrades for Spider-Man because it's always Spider-Man and one person. And you can play co-op. I played co-op with one of my buddies. That's how I fell in love with the game, but then I ended up playing it by myself a couple times too. But you can play co-op where one person is Spider-Man and one person can pick the villain that they were. I mained as Doc Ock, of course. But yeah, you get there's so many upgrades to Spider-Man where you you get upgraded moves and like different web shooters, like it like his uh, uh homecoming suit where you get like you know web web shots and you get like what stun webs and that kind of shit. Like it's so much fun, such a great game. I'm gonna pull. A KO Kyle Olsen move here. For the first time ever, I think, I'm going to best off something that I haven't read yet. <laughs> Changing the game, baby. <laughs> Changing the game. Never thought I would do it, but I, I best off, and I've already recommended throughout this episode alone, quite a few good Spider-Man jumping on points, yes. things to read in Spider-Man. One thing that I haven't read yet that I really want to read before the end of the year that hopefully I can maybe convince you and Tom to do a Midwesterners read on it before the end of the year, uh, that would be Spider-Man Life Story. It's a six-issue story, so it's not too long. It's only six issues. It's a six-issue miniseries. Written by Chip Zdarsky. He is one of the most acclaimed comic book writers right now and art by mark bagley who is one of the spider-man artists that you know like you see his art you're like yep i know that guy from spider-man he did all of like the 90s spider-man stuff he did the majority of ultimate spider-man uh back in the day he's i think he might be the artist that has drawn spider-man in the comics the most at this point so he's definitely like a, a standout spider-man this story this mini series the six issues follows spider-man throughout his life but doing what the comics usually don't do and aging spider-man as it goes each issue takes place in a different point in peter's time and goes through the decades and instead of peter being like a 20 something for the last like 40 some years <laughs> like 
he's actually aging through this. So it starts off in the six in the sixties. He's you know he's his teenager. The seventies he's in college. Eighties he's middle aged adult. Nineties he's like in his like forties fifties. The early two thousands he's up there in like his sixties and he's still doing his Spider Man stuff. Like he ages throughout throughout the series and it revisits some of like the main spider-man like some of like the the most popular stories throughout spider-man's run like the big ones like the death of gwen stacy and like all the stuff like like i said in high school and in college and the green goblin and norman osborne it goes through the clone saga it goes through some of like the the spider-verse stuff miles shows up towards the end of this run it definitely hits into like the venom stuff as well i haven't read this i i've paged through the book i've heard a lot of people say a lot of good things about it with this being the 60th anniversary of spider-man and with that story i feel like being a good story to encapsulate the life of spider-man I definitely want to jump into it. Hopefully we can make it a Midwesterners read before the end of the year. There's a couple of them that I haven't talked to with my co-host yet that I'd like to squeeze in before the year's up. That being one of them, Spider-Man life story. You can buy the trade paperback is what it came out with initially after it hit the, the single issues run. I have the oversized hardcover that has the annual in it, which follows the annual follows J Jonah Jameson throughout the storyline. So he definitely shows up in the regular story, but there's a lot of stuff that they explore in the annual, which you can only get in the hardcover. The trade paperback only has the first six issues. Um, so either one of those I think would be good. It's you should be able to find it for a decent price yet on Amazon. I highly recommend going out and checking it out. If not physically do it digitally. Marvel Unlimited or just Comixology, any of that stuff. Go out, find it, read it. I've heard good things about it. I'm hoping that it's good. It sounds cool because it sounds like like you almost go through Peter Parker, obviously a genius, almost going through like the techno technological advances throughout like human history too, with the with the early ages. And like he's obviously gonna be super smart at that age too. But like as he gets older and he's still Spider-Maning, like he's probably rivaling reed richards as one of the smartest human beings at that point too you know like that that does sound very interesting i think that sounds really cool like he's aging his villains are aging and i, I yeah. think it's gonna be like i i paged through it and i saw like an old man norman osborne like oh. still still fighting like old man peter and i'm like i like it's almost what we got it's almost what we got in no way home yeah but i'm i'm very interested to see how the story unfolds that is one thing I forgot to mention. There is one deleted scene that I wish we would have actually gotten in this more fun version is the Toby Maguire Spider-Man fighting Norman Osborn. Apparently that was scene was shot, not necessarily edited or anything like that, but apparently there were action sequences shot between between Norman Osborn and Toby Maguire Spider-Man, but they were never actually put together. I would have I I think it would have been good to see. I don't know. That's just me personally. That yeah, that's interesting because if you think about it, like Toby has his moment with Sandman, he has his moment with with Otto. He 
stops Tom Holland from killing Norman. I'm gonna get stabbed. But, <laughs> and that's like the only interaction that those yeah. two have. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. I think it. Yeah, I think it would have been cool to see more of a, a interaction between those two. Also, you saying the name J. Jonah Jameson gave me the brilliant idea of Peter Parker potentially getting a job with the new online Daily Bugle as a reporter. I think that would be awesome. Him working for J. Jonah Jameson, knowing that he hates, again, knowing that he hates Spider-Man, but not like I, the dynamic has worked before. Why not do it again? I, upgrading it to instead of like taking photos like being the photographer maybe he gets the drone to work that he had with this with his costumes and he's just he's recording the footage of the fight how did you get this angle well i was dangling off a building you know like oh right yeah there's there's some really i used my drone mr jameson yeah there's some good stuff there excellent That'll do it for this week's episode of Midwestern Nerds. Who are we? We are the Midwestern Nerds. That's M-I-D-W-E-S-T-E-R-N-E-R-D-S. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Midwestern Nerds. We are the Midwestern Nerds podcast on Facebook. If you'd like to send us an email, you can send that to MidwesternNerds at gmail.com. You can find and stream our show wherever you listen to find and stream your podcast. Please remember to rate and review, share and subscribe. Be kind. Please rewind. All of these things help this podcast to continue to grow and improve and be the Midwesterners podcast that you, the listener, want to listen to. Next week, we are going to be covering the aftermath of the devastation of the giant massive bombs that are going to be dropped over the weekend in Anaheim, California, in a little event called D23. That's happening this weekend. There's going to be a lot of big news that's going to be revealed for Marvel, for Star Wars, for Disney in general. We're going to talk about all of the things, all of the highlights. We're going to relive those moments next week in our episode of the Midwestern Nerds podcast. For your Midwestern Nerds this week, I have been Brian Stoffel. And I've been KO Kyle Olson. And whether it's beer, brats, comics, or more fun cuts. Keep Keep it nerdy. nerdy.